Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. sources. Behind-the-scenes experience in Washington and around Around the the world. world. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Boyd Matheson, opinion editor of the Deseret News. Thanks for joining us on the extended edition of Inside Sources. We'll be with you all the way until 3 o'clock today. And it is a Friday, so we're going to have a little bit of fun today in addition to covering all the breaking news coming out of Asia, new tariffs from China. Uh, The president is heading over to the G7, uh, so we'll take a look at uh, what uh, X factor the president will play in that. Uh, We also have some interesting things coming up later in the program. We're going to talk about imposter syndrome uh, and what that means, and we'll also talk about what the real problem at Yale University is. So stay with us as we cruise through a awesome Friday here. Uh, But we are really thrilled to start the program today uh, with the person who Hot Rod Hunley called the rock monster. <laughs> Brad Rock uh, for the Deseret News has been uh, really the writer for Utah sports for the last 41 years. Uh, he has been the voice that we've all looked to. I uh, I have read Brad for a long, long time. Nobody frames a story better. And uh, Brad, thanks for joining us today. Well, you mentioned imposter syndrome, and I thought, you know, I've been doing this 41 years. That's you got away an, with it. Yeah, I pretended I had a job, but uh, thank you. It's a great to be here, boy. I, I feel that imposter thing every day when I sit behind this microphone or start typing at my keyboard. So uh, it's an interesting day today. Obviously, you're coming to the end. You've got uh, one more assignment, which is, fittingly, the BYU-Utah game. Uh, but before we get to that, since we've had breaking news today about the passing of Coach Tom Nasaki, uh the first coach of the Utah Jazz when they came over. Uh, you said you had lunch with him just recently. Just a couple of weeks ago, and and, and we used to, uh, you know, a few times a year to get together for lunch, and I would get an email at my office, and all it would say was, it's time. And then, uh, and then you know, I'd say, okay, when do you want to do it? And he'd say, Tuesday, and he'd one word name the restaurant, and we, we would go there. And then he would educate me for a couple of hours, but it was always a pleasure to be around the coach. Oh, he, lo- he loved to talk through it all, didn't he, in terms of the game, the strategy, the players, what's next. Uh, any other uh, memories from Coach Nasalki? Well, he was, he was a very funny guy. I mean, he told me about breaking the finger of the owner. I think, I can't remember if it was the Spurs or the Rockets. Well, then he broke his finger. The guy was jabbing his uh, finger in Tom's (laughs) chest and, and Tom broke it. Uh, but yeah, he had stuff about players and sometimes he didn't tell me the names and, and sometimes he did tell me the names. And one of the things, Boyd, that I thought was kind of interesting, we look at these teams, 
We think they're all on the same page. We think, you know, how come you can go to your work and some people are on a different page than you are, but we all expect the teams to be exactly on the same page. And he would tell me stuff about selfish players or players that uh, were really great hard workers. And, uh, and I, you know, uh, I just thought, well, why would we think it's different? But it was kind of an eye opener. That's a, that's a great point. I, I love that thought because we do, we think, oh, you know, families have problems. Businesses have all kinds of problems. Uh, teams should just be, you know, all on the same page all the time. Exactly right. Yeah. Uh, you, your ability to frame a story and to pull out the, the essence of it, uh, has always been one of my favorite things in your writing over the years, particularly as it comes to what will be your last assignment, which is the BYU Utah game. Give us a couple of favorite, uh, memories about the BYU Utah rivalry again that you've written about for the last 41 years. Yeah. It's, there, there, there've been so many. I mean, the last 10 years have been unbelievable. So they were way up there. Uh, I remember, you know, this is crazy because I wasn't up far enough, uh, enough up the food chain. I think it was my first year at the Deseret News. I didn't get to cover the game. And uh, what made me laugh is my wife and I, I think it was the day of the game, and we were shopping, and we were in Fashion Place Mall, and um, one of the clerks burst into tears. And uh, I go, what's, what's happening? I looked at my wife, and we're kind of looking – and I and somebody came over to her and said, "What happened?" And she said, "Utah beat BYU." Now this was when Utah won two or three in twenty five years. I don't know if she was happy or sad. I <laughs> never got that story, but this matters to people. And that's funny. So one of my more memorable moments, I wasn't wasn't even you weren't even game. there. Oh, that's but, hilarious. But there have been so many of them. You know, Scott Mitchell uh, being I you know I was there for Jim McMahon dominating. Yeah, uh, Luke Staley down in Silas and Beck to Harleen. Uh, all of those were were fantastic games. Yeah, uh, I want you to weigh in uh, again from your perspective, Brad. That uh, you know, it seems that the the civility in the games. You know, we've obviously had challenges. We have a civility and contempt problem in the country on a host of issues, and not just politics, but it's it's splashed over into so many other areas of our lives, including sports. Uh, how have you seen that over the last little while? Yeah, it's really scary, Boyd. I mean. Because that was supposed to be a release. And, and I've, I've seen the blowback on the columns I write. Instead of people saying, hey, I read the sports to get away from all these scary things, yeah. they're in the middle of this. And, you know, I told somebody the other day, I said, as, as ugly as the Utah-BYU rivalry can be at times, you know, they burned down a tree at Auburn. Wasn't it Auburn and Alabama? Yeah. Yeah. Some of the people have been shot at some of these things, and we've never progressed that far. So that's the encouraging part. But uh, – but it's kind of a reflection of, of all of our society. Where we are, yeah. And and so often you're able to pull out in your columns uh, a lot of those societal trends uh, that do tend to manifest themselves or things we can learn from sports to better better apply those. <laughs> yes, I, th- I, I think you're right. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hoping the government would be able to work like these teams do because, you know, if you're looking at Kalani Sataki or, or, you know, or Kyle Whittingham or Gary Anderson, they, for the most part, get everybody moving in the same direction. So... I would love it if our if our Congress could do that. Yeah, that would be a, a great message for back there. If you're just joining us, we've got Brad Rock, the Rock Monster, uh, 41 years, really the go-to source, the, really the ultimate inside source. It's a good thing you're on this program today, Brad. <laughs> it's great to <laughs> uh, when it When it comes to, to Utah sports. And uh, I wanted to get your, your take on uh, just some kind of some rapid-fire uh, kind of best – uh, worst moments uh, in terms of uh, sports, especially as it relates here in Utah. Uh, most underrated coach 
Uh, again, college, professional, high school, most underrated coach. You know, uh, I don't know if everybody else underrated him, but I thought Roger Reed, the BYU basketball coach, was a phenomenal coach. And he won 20 games six times or something. that He ended up getting fired down there. And then, you know, you kind of look back and you'll hear uh, Glenn Potter or Stan Watts or, or Frank Arnold or some of those guys. Yeah. Or, the, or, the, or the Dave Rose era was very good. Uh, I don't hear as much about, about Roger Reed. Yeah. And, boy, he had a – had a really good run, so he he was a very good coach. Yeah, that's great. Best uh, best X's and O's coach. Uh, you know, I think that maybe uh, Gary Anderson is really close up at Utah State, and he had done great stuff. Most of his w- was defensively, and then Urban Meyer was was extremely good as a motivator and an X X and O's coach. And maybe Coach McBride, Ron McBride, is uh, is a little underrated because yeah. he got them to think they could win that rivalry game. And uh, before that, he didn't. And I, I know that he gets a lot of credit for motivating. He gets a lot of credit for recruiting. And then he had to put it together. Yeah, and I wanted to ask you that leadership question. Maybe I, you hinted at your answer there. Who's, who's the best leader that created a culture uh, in their team or in the community? Yeah, Urban did it, uh, but he was there so short. But, you know, yeah. obviously Jerry Sloan. And that culture is still Jerry Sloan's culture. And so uh, certainly Larry uh, Miller had a lot to do with that and Frank Layden, a lot of them. But but people came in, and I had, you know, players say that some teams, the players ran the organization. Maybe it wouldn't work now with Jerry. But yeah. some people, uh, the players run the organization and they fire coaches, but it wasn't that, that yeah. case here. Wonderful. Uh, let's go to the player side just real briefly here. Um, let's, let's stay on that leadership topic. Uh, best leader player. Well, John Stockton, you know, I mean, that's uh, that, that That was pretty obvious to do that. And I, and a lot of them, I mean, Ty Detmer was a, oh, good. a, a, that's a interesting. great, yeah. great leader. Uh, and, and then you'll get guys that are, you know, uh, an offensive lineman or something, yeah. and you, you don't follow them that much. But John uh, was such a leader that – that the players were in an era where they wanted to experiment with their shoes and they wanted to wear black shoes. And a lot, right. it started with only the Celtics wearing black shoes, other teams, and they've had lights flashing on them and stuff. Well, the team would vote on yeah. shoes. John says, we're not wearing black shoes. I wore white in high school. I wore white, I'm white, white, <laughs> white shoes. And, and, you know, John just said, we're not doing it. I'm the captain. We're not that's going over to black do. shoes with the Jazz. The Jazz wear white shoes. <laughs> oh, that's great leadership. All right, final question. Best moment in Utah sports history over the last 41 years? I would have to say for the whole state, for everybody, had to be those NBA Finals years. If There hasn't been anything like that. Certainly, you know, BYU's National Championship and Utah's Sugar Bowl were phenomenal. But that mm-hmm. divided the sides. Right. So I think for the whole state, it was those years they were in the final. Yeah, and it was very clear. Michael Jordan clearly pushed off. <laughs> it was an offensive foul. <laughs> I've heard that a lot of times. I've, I've watched that a number of times. I think it was NBA contact, but I'm the only person in state. Yeah. I'm the only person in the state. Do you want state. that to be your last word? In the- <laughs> <laughs> he didn't push off. <laughs> Oh, all good. Brad Rock, uh, just the inside source for Utah sports for 41 years, uh, hanging it up after the BYU game. So I'm counting on that last column being uh, knock oh, it out of the park, That's pressure. Uh, which you always do. But Brad, thanks for your uh, 
your contribution to the the conversation. Again, not just sports. You brought a lot of civility and a lot of important life lessons to that as well. Thanks so much. Thank you, boy. All right, again, that's the great Brad Rock uh, hanging it up after forty one years. Great to be with us here on KSL News Radio. We'll step aside for a quick commercial break. When we come back, we'll pick up news of the day, other topics. Stay with us on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.